Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk about the business of gyms. My name is Kale Owen, and I am so excited to introduce today's guest on the podcast, Dan Solomon. Dan Solomon is one of the most influential members of the bodybuilding and fitness industry. Dan's journey in the business of fitness has placed him in several high-profile environments, ranging from media, production, filmmaking, project development, marketing, licensing, branding, all the way to his current role as the president of Mr. Olympia, the most prestigious fitness-themed event in the entire world. Now, Dan has earned a reputation as a trusted voice for his work as a host and commentator for the biggest fitness events in the world. After working closely with many of the biggest brands in the industry, Dan began his work as executive producer of the movie Bigger, the biggest budgeted movie in the history of bodybuilding, which was released in theaters after premiering at the Cannes Film Festival. In 2018, Dan was named the president of the iconic Olympia brand, leading the charge for the world's most prestigious fitness-themed event. Dan also oversees a media portfolio that includes Muscle and Fitness Magazine and other top media brands. Under his watch, the fitness scene has become a popular attraction for major celebrities. In recent years, the guest list at Olympia Weekend has included the likes of Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne Johnson, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Dave Bautista, and countless others from the world of sports and entertainment. Dan Solomon is truly a visionary and trailblazer in the world of fitness and his contributions have helped shape the way fans follow their passion while creating opportunities for countless men and women who aspire to maximize their genetic potential. I know that was lengthy, but I am so excited to have him on today. So sit back and enjoy today's episode with Dan Solomon, president of Mr. Olympia. Awesome. Dan, thank you so much for having us today, man. I am so excited to be here. It's amazing. Well, I am too. That's awesome. Um, I want to get started Obviously, everyone here that's watching this or listening to this, if you're listening to this, you guys already understand how incredible you are, frankly. And I know you like to deflect, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. How incredible you are, what your resume is, it speaks for itself. You've done a lot of amazing things. And right now you are leading the pinnacle of top brands in the fitness industry. Um, and now I think we're going into the 59th year of Mr. Olympia, correct? That's right. Awesome. And that's going to happen in Orlando? In November. In November, in 2023, which is that's right. absolutely incredible. Um, I want to take a step back, though, and I want you to share who Dan really is from the beginning. And like, what brought you to here? Because you didn't really take a conventional, like, you, you're not a bodybuilder. Right? Like you well, enjoy it, fitness. It, it's funny, right? How do you define a bodybuilder? Yeah. Do I walk on stage or and look competitor. like uh, an elite world-class bodybuilder? By no stretch would yeah. I qualify. But, you know, there was a time back in my late 20s mm -hmm. where I um, took an interest in that lifestyle. I actually yeah. met a world-class bodybuilder, um, a guy from Trinidad by the name of Darum Charles. Wow. And um, Darum uh, and I forged a really great relationship, and uh, he kind of pulled me closer to the fitness and bodybuilding yeah. lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I entered a couple of contests. That's um, awesome. I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, and I didn't do very well, That's but good. it kind of gave me a chance to really understand you know, what that journey is like, what those, what that suffering feels like to mm -hmm. get stage ready. And, uh, and I really came away from those few shows that I did um, with a real sense of, of what um, these athletes go through mm -hmm. to get to that point and and it's such an important thing to experience the thing that your customer is experiencing right because at the end of the day our customer is a bodybuilding fan um, is a bodybuilder and um, and without having that perspective uh, I think I would have been worse off for it so uh, I think as I was going through it I could never have known at that time um, the insight that it was going to provide me as I kind of journeyed on and started doing other things. Uh, and I've had just about every job you can have along the way. 
You have, and I'd like to talk about that a little bit because your story of, you didn't just like jump right into this. You've done so many different things and it's led you to be where you are. And also I would say that the attributes and, and skill sets that you've acquired over time have put you in this position to where you can now really be the driving force in even taking this incredible brand and all of the other brands along with it to an, each, an even higher level. Um, so I want to kind of get back to the beginning of like what got you into, because you started more so on the media side, correct? I did. Yeah. So walk me through what got you into that first. Yeah. So getting back to uh, the bodybuilder that I just mentioned, Yeah. he and his wife sat me down um, prior to me knowing anything about the world of fitness or bodybuilding um, other than just a little bit about sets and reps, right? That's all I knew. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I really would love to get an endorsement contract. He knew I had some business acumen. I had some experience in the business world. And um, he asked me if I could help him do that. So as a friend, I said, sure, I can try to make that happen. I'll navigate my way around. Well, at that time, the only thing that I knew was um, Joe Weider, who was the iconic sort of pioneering um, godfather, if you will, yeah. of the bodybuilding movement back in the 1940s and 50s. He started this whole thing. And um, um, Darren Charles, who I was talking to at the time, said, I, I would love to have a Weider endorsement deal. So me being just naive and dumb enough not to know better, I picked up the phone and called the world headquarters in Woodland Hills, California of Weeder Nutrition, Weeder Publishing. And um, I did my best to get Joe Weeder on the phone. And uh, eventually um, he returned a call and he and I spent about 45 minutes talking about all things bodybuilding and fitness and posing and all the things that, um, you know, sort of embody the, the bodybuilding lifestyle and competitive bodybuilding, because I was always a fan. I enjoyed it. Growing up, I would go to local contests and I would, I uh, just appreciated the sacrifice and the dedication and I always took something from it. Well, by the time the conversation ended, I guess Joe and I connected just enough mm -hmm. where he felt compelled to tell me to start writing a column called Bodybuilding 101 for Muscle and Fitness Magazine. And I um, was blown away by it, humbled to say the least. Didn't think I was remotely qualified to do such a thing. But then again, I'm always that way. I always question whether or not I should be in a certain spot, right? But mm -hmm. in that particular time, at that particular day, Joe Weider himself offered me that opportunity. So then I started writing for the magazines. And then shortly thereafter, a year or two into that, it started to become trendy to put bodybuilding events, the Arnold Classic, the Mr. Olympia, um, some of the more premium events on pay-per-view and other TV outlets. And... Um, I had a mutual friend who connected me with a producer. They were looking for somebody to start hosting these events. Mm. And um, in college, my, my, my degree was in uh, broadcast journalism. And um, I always fancied myself as a guy that might one day do play-by-play -play for a Major League Baseball team. Yep. That never worked out. But um, Not yet. <laughs> right, there's still time, <laughs> right? But um, what ended up occurring was um, I got hired to start hosting these events. So I spent about a dozen years as the lead host for... The Mr. Olympia on pay-per-view or the Arnold Classic. And, and, uh, and then it became really popular to start, um, they would call it webcasting at the time. I don't think the word webcasting is really a term anymore, but um, right. it was definitely something that we started doing with different outlets that I was involved with. And um, so from there, I started hosting events and then um, different opportunities opened up. In 2005, um, it occurred to me at that moment that there was no way for a bodybuilding fan to follow the sport of bodybuilding with other than the magazines. And I thought, what a shame it is that bodybuilding fans can't hear the voices and the passion and the vocal intonations of their favorite bodybuilders. Mm -hmm. 
So I created a program called Pro Bodybuilding Weekly. It was the first ever talk radio show devoted to the world of professional bodybuilding. There was no outlet that was doing it. And I linked up with this. Uh, the internet was just kind of becoming, you know, more prominent at that time. And I linked up with a, like a, a, an online syndicator. And we started doing a live show every Monday night. Mm -hmm. And it got picked up by outlets around the world. Mm -hmm. And it became a very um, prominent fixture on the weekly bodybuilding scene. Pro Bodybuilding Weekly, I co-hosted it with uh, a good friend of mine named Bob Ciccarello. Bob uh, now does a great job of hosting our Olympia for us and a lot of the big events. Bob's a, a longtime friend. And he and I uh, co-hosted every Monday night at 8 o'clock. Pro Bodybuilding Weekly, we welcome bodybuilding fans from around the world. And every, every, every Monday night, welcome to an all-new edition of Pro Bodybuilding Weekly, the voice of professional bodybuilding. And we would bring on the biggest names from Arnold Schwarzenegger to Ronnie Coleman and Dorian Yates and Lou Ferrigno and all the iconic... Um, physiques that everybody grew up watching, Lee Haney and Franco yeah. Colombo and Frank Zane, they were our guests every week. And uh, we really um, brought that to life. And at that time, it was the first way for bodybuilding fans to follow the sport in this format. It was also the first time that sponsors had an opportunity to connect with a captive audience of serious bodybuilding fans. We ran that show for a number of years. Mm -hmm. We did four or 500 episodes, did it every week for about a dozen years. Wow. And... Um, and then eventually I, I took some jobs as an editor at a, a few of the, the bigger fitness magazines. Mm -hmm. And um, I enjoyed that. And then, um, and then we get to um, 2018 where I was um, put in a spot where I found myself at a table with a gentleman named David Pecker. Mm -hmm. Now, David is, the, um, David is the CEO of American Media. American Media is the company that owns the National Enquirer and Us Weekly and yep. OK, Life and Style, all those big uh, grocery store tabloids, yeah. the, the, the magazines that um, kind of set the tone in that <laughs> corner of the world. Yep. And um, they also owned, at the time, the Olympia, mm -hmm. Muscle and Fitness, Flex, and all these big fitness and bodybuilding brands. Mm -hmm. um, and and we they had, had bought those from Weider, correct? Correct. They had yeah. acquired those titles from Weider back in 2004. Okay. And, um, and American Media did a great job. They really yeah. took it to another level. The event and all the other measurables were just tremendous. It, mm -hmm. it did very well. Um, and then we got, it, you know, it went from a show that was being held in auditoriums to a world-class event that would sell out arenas yeah. and, uh, and bring all corners of the fitness world together um, each year in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And um, so we ended up, uh, um, I ended up at a table with them. And uh, I guess at that time they were, trying to revisit their approach to Olympia and the brand. And, and I always felt strongly that the Olympia needed to be more than a week-long event. It needed to be a year-round brand because I've always felt that the Olympia is the preeminent symbol of achievement in the world of fitness and bodybuilding. Yep. And it needs to be treated as such for all days of the year, not just for a few days during Olympia weekend. And um, I sort of laid out to them how I thought that could be done. Mm -hmm. And... Um, by the time the lunch was over, David offered me the job to run the Olympia. And Did you go into that meeting expecting that? No. Okay. No, I actually went to that meeting, just thought I was gonna just thought I was gonna get a chance to sit down and talk to a real yeah. influential guy who yeah. knew a ton about media mm -hmm. and had some great relationships. And I thought it was just a networking day and yeah. I was gonna come back and um, you know, feel pretty good about it and uh, maybe at some point I'd, you know, close a deal because of it or yeah. something fun would come of it. Um I had no expectation that that's where it was going. And I remember when he offered me the job, I looked at him and I said, David, and I appreciate it, but 
that's not really what I've been doing all these years. I've been doing a lot of other things. And he looked at me and he said, oh, I can find plenty of people to put on a headset and run a production. Mm -hmm. He said, but what we need is somebody to embrace all the possibilities of what the Olympia brand can bring, mm -hmm. um, how it could change the fitness and bodybuilding space, how it can um, be better monetized. Yeah. Um, there were certain untapped components of the Olympia um, global licensing opportunities, other types of expansion, bringing other types of events together, yeah. and just engaging and connecting with new audiences from celebrities and on down. So we really, um, we really worked hard to change that whole vibe surrounding the Olympia. And so I took the job, and um, yeah, it's been a good run. It, yeah. it has. It's been a really good run. I'm very proud of it. Our, our new ownership group, mm -hmm. um, led by a gentleman named Jake Wood out of Arizona, Jake Who I've, by the way, sorry to cut you off. Sure. I've heard nothing but incredible things about Jake. Jake is Jake. tremendous. Yeah. Jake's everything you want in that role because he's so supremely and genuinely authentically passionate mm -hmm. about the world of muscle yeah. and fitness and that whole lifestyle. Yeah. He lives the lifestyle long before acquiring the Olympia. You know, he was just a fan. He didn't come into this um, looking for a portfolio edition. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't about P&Ls and balance sheets. Now, the good news is we have been able to navigate this thing to a place where it's a, it's, it's a very successful event and we're very proud of that. Yeah. Um, financially, it's a, it's a, it's, we're in a really great place and, and we've been able to grow the event in many ways to kind of awesome. support that. But Jake is an outstanding leader, a tremendous owner, mm -hmm. and um, it's, it's been a great privilege to work for him and alongside him. And um, there is zero ego in Jake's um, approach. And um, Jake is looking to do everything possible that he can to create opportunities for everybody who cares about picking up a weight for the first time, you know, or walking on a, a Mr. Olympia stage. That's super cool. Yeah. I have so many questions from that story, by the way. So many things. So number one, you're extremely articulate, which is incredible. I've watched so many interviews and you, go, you do such a good job of telling a full story and providing so many details, by the way. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Some people would argue that I talk too much. No, I think it's fantastic. No, I do appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. you saying that. <laughs> There's never a boring moment right now or in anything that I've seen you being I'll bore you eventually no no nah, nah, we're good so <laughs> I want to actually go way back because there's a piece of this that we talk about here on the gym Lords podcast as well as gym launch and through our brands and that is just effort discipline and just having the ability to grind through even hard times understanding that if I continue to do the work that's needed and I do it at an unreasonable amount then I will be successful as long as I'm moving in the right direction, I have the right business model, I'm able to be successful. Yeah. I wanna go back to one key thing. Sure. <clears throat> you had the balls to pick up the phone and call Joe Weider the man in bodybuilding, the man, the godfather of it all. And you mentioned kind of like being naive and all this stuff, but a lot of people would be scared of even thinking there's like no chance that I would ever talk to him. I'm actually really curious because I love details. How many times did you call him and for how long before you actually spoke to him? I'd love to tell you a story about how I tried for months and months and months, but it happened pretty quick. But it's funny you say that because isn't that what separates sometimes the billionaire from the guy who's just trying to pay his bills? And, and, and I say that yes. because how many of us have walked around and said the words, I had that idea. I thought of that first. Yep. The difference between, you know, the regular, you know, mm -hmm. human, if yep. you will, yeah. and that elite level earner achiever mm -hmm. is they go from idea to action mm -hmm. quickly. Um, and 
there are some ideas. You look around at some of the businesses that are dominating the world and you look at the revenue. Um, we were talking earlier about StubHub or Cameo or yeah. these, these companies. It's not rocket science when you mm -hmm. think about these business models, right? Creating a hub where people can come together to buy sporting event tickets right. or, or a hub where people can go and buy videos of their favorite celebrities. These are basic concepts. Yep. Yet, why did it take so long for somebody to actually execute? And when somebody finally did execute, they built a multi-billion dollar property. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I think what you're describing in my call to Joe Weider that was built on, you know, naivete and just, you know, just, I guess, who else am I going to call, yeah. right? And, um, but I love that. And, and that, to me, is such a small example. Um, and I appreciate you even recognizing it. But yeah, there's just been some, one of the coolest parts about my job, and I would imagine for yours as well, because I know you do a lot of these interviews mm -hmm. and you meet a lot of people. I absolutely love meeting um, CEOs and, and business owners and, and just folks that had the courage to do that thing yes. that the other guy just didn't do mm -hmm. and, or didn't know how to do or didn't know how to take that first step. And you look at some of these companies that they're crushing it mm -hmm. and they're building, they're building generational wealth for, yep. the, for themselves, their kids, their grandkids will never have to work again. Mm -hmm. And they're doing it off pretty simple ideas but just they have the courage and the willingness to roll up their sleeves and go all in. Yeah. And, uh, and most importantly, they were fearless. And fear is debilitating. Fear is that thing that mm -hmm. stops all greatness, all achievements. And if you can get yourself to a place where you can set fear aside, you can do anything. And, uh, and I know for me, I have a long way to go because fear has been... For me, it's it stood in my way many times. I'm not um, beyond fear. I'll tell you that there are many things that I do that scare the shit out of me. To be honest with you, but um, I can tell you that um, once we kind of manage that and we understand that a little bit better, um, there's no telling what we can do. That's what we tell our clients, and we, we when we're talking, we're trying to preach this to gym owners around the world yeah. of just trying to be able to go out and reach more people, change more lives and build wildly profitable businesses at any level. It doesn't matter what level of business. Sure. You have to be willing, everyone at some level, we were just talking about this off camera, every leader, CEO, doesn't matter, has fear. There is fear. It's a, right. a natural emotion that we'll feel. It's a feeling that we'll have. But the thing that keeps the successful ones, right, or makes them successful compared to the other individuals is that they recognize it, they're self-aware enough, but they act in spite of that feeling. Right. And I'm curious for you, how have you been able to do that? Like, just tactically speaking, like for you, do you just say, F it, I'm just gonna keep going and I don't care? Like, how do you overcome that for you? Because I think it's different for different it people. It is, and, and I think the difference for different people is that um, the kind of business that you're in. Now, I'm in a business of mass consumption, yeah. right? There's hundreds of thousands, often millions of people who care on some level about the things that I'm involved with, the things that I do. People care about the Olympia. They care about muscle and fitness. Mm -hmm. People grew up on those brands. The, the Olympia is oftentimes a bucket list item for people who have saved their pennies their entire life and finally made it to an Olympia. And when they arrive there, they come over, they give me a hug or Jay Cutler a hug or mm -hmm. And there, there's, there's tears streaming down their face because their entire life they wanted to walk into a building yeah. and experience that Olympia energy and, and see what that's all about. And it's, it's overwhelming, to mm -hmm. be honest with you. And that sometimes is where the fear comes from because you see how much it means to so many people. And that's why a lot of people, like I would imagine like you know, real celebrities must have this issue because real celebrities, um, they get 
almost addicted to that mm-hmm. that experience because all of a sudden you go, um, even if you now go and transition to running a billion dollar company, if it's a billion dollar company that doesn't really have that type of audience, mm-hmm. um, some people don't know how to function if they're doing something that millions aren't watching them do. Yeah. All of a sudden it becomes a matter of importance. Now the reality is, the things that I'm doing aren't really that important. You know, I'm not curing cancer here. I'm not doing things that are altering the course of people's lives in ways that truly matter. I have friends, as do you, yeah. who are doing real important work, who yeah, are who are working with with kids who have serious issues, mm-hmm. or are or are, or are cure, you know creating um, cures for real diseases, yep. or are doing things to change the day to day reality of real people dealing with real things. So I always try to remind myself that the work that we do, while I respect it and it's important in many mm-hmm. levels. Um, it's not as important as the work that's being done by a lot of people who go completely unnoticed for the work that they do. Absolutely. You know, so I always try to be mindful of that. But um, no, I think the way that I just manage fear is I think over the course of time, I've realized that when you are in a business of mass consumption, mm-hmm. circling back to that idea, um, it's impossible to make everybody happy. I can implement something, I can create an idea, and we can execute, and there's no scenario where a chunk of those people aren't going to like what I do. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. I am not going to get a unanimous verdict over anything yep. that we do as a team at the Olympia. Yeah. There's just no way we can modify some policy. We could change how we qualify the athletes. We could um, change the policy of the special invitation at the Olympia. We could change what we're doing on stage. You do one thing on stage, the photographers hate you for it. You do something else on stage, the fans love you for it. Yep. The athletes, the competitors, they love certain things. And those very things that they love are... Um, deplored mm-hmm. by um, other people, maybe yep. the, the people who are doing video or who are mm-hmm. shooting the TV for it. So you get to a place where you just have to accept the fact that you're going to try things, you're going to do things the best that you can, you're going to weigh all the, all the variables, and in the end, um, some people are not going to like what you do. And the minute you just accept that reality, it all just becomes easier because there is no pathway towards a unanimous yeah. Um, approval. It's just not going to happen. And the quicker you get there, um, the quicker you're going to just save yourself a lot of unnecessary, yeah. you know, the trouble. I'm laughing a little bit because I, I saw, I was watching some YouTube videos and like before leading up to um, Mr. Olympia in uh, this past year, yeah. right? And, I'm, and I go through the comments and there's a comment and you were talking about how you've done such, you and your team mm-hmm. have done an incredible job of making it entertaining and fun. So yeah. no one is bored. Right, and I get that because I've been to many bodybuilding competitions. Yep, they can be boring. They can be very boring. Hundred percent. So I fully understand yep. and appreciate why you're doing that. And it's so funny to me that same thing. I read a comment. It's one comment. It's just one comment. One comment. It's like, man, can you tell? Uh, can you tell Dan to fix the lights? Yeah. And I'm just like, what is going great? on right it's now? It's so funny you say that. So one of the things when we first had one of my first production meetings five years ago, and when I took this position. Um, the topic of boring bodybuilding shows came up. And let's face it, I'm right there with you. I've sat there, and it can be like watching paint dry sometimes. Mm-hmm. The Olympia is different. Tickets to the Olympia are expensive. People get on airplanes, they book hotel rooms, they fly across the world, they buy VIP packages, and they're out several thousand dollars to be at the Olympia. Yep. And I'll be damned if I'm gonna let anybody go home and say the words, that was boring. Now, maybe they don't like that, that lighting effect that we do. Maybe there's too much smoke there for them. Maybe the volume on the sound system was too loud. I can handle that, yep. but I'm not gonna sit back on my watch and let anybody tell me that this was boring. So I work really hard, and I may have gone too far with that, by the way. We've really worked hard to create more of a rock concert experience yeah. in, in the theater. Yeah. Um, and 
the greatest thing is watching the expression on people's faces, especially in the first 15 minutes or so of the show oh, yeah. and we do our well choreographed intro and, and um, it's, it's jaw dropping, mm -hmm. eye popping stuff that we do and we spend yeah. a lot of money to, to make that happen. But yes, for every 10 people that think that is amazing, There'll be a few people out there that'll say, oh, the contrast washed out the physiques. We could hardly see the bodies on the stage or this or that. And you know what? Some of that feedback is, has merit. Right. Yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and we take it seriously because the physique should be presented mm -hmm. in a way that is befitting of the hard work they've put in. But yeah, you can't please everybody. Oh, that's amazing. I want to move forward from um, that question about, you know, fear, overcoming fear and everything. Something I found really interesting, um, I'm fascinated by business, right? We were acquired by a private equity firm back in um, December 24th, Christmas Eve, 2021. So I love business. I love understanding all this stuff. You're a deal guy, you're a deal maker, or this is what I've heard, right? And I'm really fascinated because you talked to, it was David, what was his last name? Pecker. Um, Pecker. You'll never forget that last name. Never. Never. That's why I like, I was like, one more time. I just, I didn't want you didn't, to. You, didn't, you weren't sure that you heard it right. Correct. Yes. That was literally it. So David Pecker, you go, he offers you the job, but then I think you, you were very, very, you were right in the middle of orchestrating the acquisition by Jake, correct? You were the one that created that relationship. So I, I was in the unique position of being on both sides of that deal. Yeah. I was an employee of American Media yeah. when they owned the Olympia and my job was to run the Olympia. What was your title real quick? What was Chief your... Olympia officer. That's amazing. Clever title, That's right? Amazing. And um, yes. so we, um, we did that and then it was made, I was made aware of the fact that there was a possibility mm -hmm. um, to find a buyer. Mm -hmm. And I was asked if I knew somebody who might be interested. And I knew Jake. Yeah. And I knew Jake would be sincerely interested in that conversation. Mm -hmm. So then I brought Jake and David to the table and we sat at a restaurant called Il Postino in Lower mm -hmm. Manhattan yep. and um, spent a few hours talking about the, the possibility of that happening. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was, it was, I was in a favorable position, but it was yeah. also a challenging one too, because I knew that I had to represent the company that had employed me Correct. in pursuit of a fair deal. Yes. But I also had to represent the future of the sport and of the Olympia as, a, as an event, loved. as a brand, because I was going to continue on in that role. Yeah. So it was a really... You're Switzerland. You almost have to be Switzerland it was in that tough. deal. Yeah. So that's why I'm very curious about... We don't have to go into detail yeah. about that, because I, I don't know if that's re as relevant to mm -hmm. our clientele. But at some point, I'd love to talk through that a little bit more, because I think it's fascinating that you were able to navigate that. You brought both parties to the table. Um, yeah. And you were able to do that through and basically transition to what it is now, which is obviously continuing to grow and scale. Yeah. Um, let's switch real quick. Our first conversation, you, your goal is to really get back to the grass or at least create, build a bridge between Mr. Olympia and the brand and what you're doing right now with gym owners and start to connect more with them, right? Yeah. So walk me through like your thoughts on that. Where, where do you think that Mr. Olympia is maybe dropping the ball as a brand? There. So and, I, I think the fitness industry is dropping yeah. the ball mm -hmm. when it comes to the gym world. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. I was so glad when I heard about Gym Launch and Gym Con. Mm -hmm. I was so excited because I had been talking to my team about this curious disconnect that exists between the stuff that we're doing mm -hmm. in the world of you know media events yeah. and in other ways, even in the supplement industry and all that, and the gym world. Because let's face it. 
the gym world is where it all goes down. I mean, to even use the word grassroots would almost be insulting. Mm -hmm. It's bigger than that. I mean, the gym world is where is the central artery of all of this. Yep. And it creates to be, if we think about it, it creates the individuals. Like that's where it starts. That's where it starts. It creates the individuals that step on stage right. of like, it all comes down to this. hundred percent. Right. And, and so, and I, and I was so excited to feel, to see that there was an opportunity to build a bridge between what we're doing mm -hmm. and the gym world. Because one of the things, and I know you got, you and I have touched on this in our, in our private conversations, but I will tell you that there was a time when the, the, the world that, you know, that I'm in, the, the Olympia muscle and fitness, it was a world that you know, maybe everybody knew one bodybuilder, right? You did, there was that one guy in the gym that had big lats and shoulders and sweeping quads and ripped abs and biceps. And he was that one guy. Yeah. And maybe there was two or three in some gyms. So we were viewed as this like other planet, this other world. But now, thanks to the work of the NPC and the IFBB Pro League, these are the governing organizations that oversee the mm -hmm. the the competitive world of bodybuilding and fitness. All these new divisions have been created. There's 10 of them. There's 10 of them. Yeah. And I believe six of them are, are female divisions mm -hmm. and four are, are male divisions. And these divisions now all provide a competitive platform for different body types. So there's a pretty good chance now that when you walk into your gym, there's dozens or hundreds of competitors that are in that competitive space. Whether you're talking about men's physique competitors that look more like you, or we're talking about women's bikini competitors that look, you know, like maybe the, maybe look, maybe your dentist competes mm -hmm. in that world, or maybe yep. your, uh, your, your lawyer or your uh, administrative assistant or the, the third grade teacher at the local elementary school or whatever it is. Yeah. And they're involved in this world now. And so it's to the point where um, with the advent of all these new divisions, it has um, in a very quantifiable way um, exploded. Mm -hmm. And so our world now has infiltrated these gyms in a way that it never has before. And the best part about competitive fitness competitors, bodybuilders, bikini competitors, whatever it is, physique competitors, wellness competitors, the best thing about it is they are the ones that inspire the most impact inside a gym. It's it's the competitor, it's the bodybuilder or the physique competitor who answers questions like what products are you taking or how many times a week do you train biceps or mm -hmm. um, does this exercise or does this movement maximize delt growth or yeah, that's all coming from the people who compete yeah. and, um, and it's become massive. The numbers yeah. have become massive and I see the numbers. I know there's events going on around the, on, on, a, on a given Saturday night, there could be a dozen events going on in cities around the country. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just growing so rapidly that I just have grown frustrated by our, even when you look at the sponsorships, mm -hmm. the exhibitors, you don't see a lot of gyms mm -hmm. on those lists. Do you get franchises that like any franchises, big franchises? We don't really do that. Now, our way of supporting gyms yeah. is we schedule photo shoots mm -hmm. in gyms, which provides visibility to the gym. And we're grateful to the gym because we know the gym owner is spending a lot of money yeah. to build that facility. So it's a, it's a two-way street. Yeah. You know, they're, they're getting visibility in their gym. We set up shoots and then they in turn um, do something for us and that mm -hmm. they provide the facility. So there's that. We often do, we do seminars in gyms. We can walk into a gym on any given Saturday 
and have four or 500 people gathered to hear what it's all about, to compete for the first time in the NPC or to start a, a career um, as a bodybuilder or just not a career as a bodybuilder, just start a lifestyle as a competitive um, physique or bodybuilding um, participant. So we that's the connection we have to the gyms now. And we have found that the more we do that, the numbers keep growing. So we're starting to realize that we're sharing the same customers. Yep. And, and it's foolish for us not to really stop and look at each other and say, okay, look, we know you're out there and you know we're out there. Let's stop pretending that we don't need each other because mm -hmm. we totally need each other and we need to communicate in ways that enable us to provide more value for gym owners and um, also for gym owners to provide value for what we're doing at the corporate level, at the franchise level, you know, all the above. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, there's this sub, there's this culture within some gyms I know that we work with more on the boutique side more than anything where they're like, they look at bodybuilders and like, ah, oh, it's not healthy. And you know, the whole yeah, thing around that. And it's just like, cool. That's not functional. It's right. more so the functional mm -hmm. aspect of it. And I get that. But what's really fascinating though, what's really fascinating, what I found, and I come from the sports performance background, right? And all this, I absolutely love watching bodybuilding and looking at what someone is able to do with yeah. their genetic potential. And what I found is that no matter what type of gym someone has, there's almost always one person, minimum, one person, whether it's a small boutique facility or whatever, that goes through a journey that maybe they come in and their goal is to lose weight and they lose the weight and they start to feel better. And then the next thing, instead of doing a 5K, which some people wanna do next, or they wanna do a powerlifting competition, or they just wanna get stronger, where do they go? They're like, cool, I wanna learn how, I wanna compete. I want to do bikini. I want to do fitness. I want to do figure. Right? I want to do an MPC. I want to do IFBB. And it's that journey where they, they start to see that because they start to see the potential of what their body can accomplish. Right. And they never thought they could do that again. And so I'm speaking to the gym owners that are out there that are wondering that maybe sitting there thinking, well, you know, what, how in the world does this even look like? What does this look like? How does this work? You know, because for them, they're more focused on the functional aspect. I would challenge them to look at their members and I guarantee you there's at least one, two, three, five different people in there who have at least thought and thought about what would it be like if I could do that? I'd like to step on stage because I'd like to take my body to the ultimate level sure. or test it or push it to its ultimate level to see what can I actually showcase. And this brought, this really drew me to our conversation the other day when you mentioned that because I think it's, it's an incredible opportunity to really let gym owners know around the world that there's more to it than just cool, let's just create a functional fitness or a health club that's just like, hey, let's just make sure people are coming in, they're checking in, and that's it. Right. right? There's a chance to really do something really big here um, across the entire industry, and it doesn't have to be a divide between the two. It doesn't have to be a zero-sum game, right? right? Where I don't want a gym full of bodybuilders, right? Well, it's like, well, why not? Right. Right? They're incredible people. They're the most disciplined people. They're the most knowledgeable people that are going to come in and be able to bring something to your facility that's really going to transcend just your local community. It's the, and they're the most influential people. Absolutely. That's what I always say. Like, even you take the Mr. Olympia, right? The guy who finishes last mm -hmm. still has a half a million followers. Yep. Right? <laughs> yep. You know, yeah. the, the, the girl that you've never heard of who came over from a part of the world that you've never yep. heard of, where she is, where she lives, she's a big deal. When she gets off that plane, they're waiting for her to return home. Yep. And um, the same thing holds true on some level, on a smaller scale, but it certainly applies to the local bodybuilder or physique competitor. Mm -hmm. And I always say, welcome, the, you know, create an environment that makes elite or even casual fitness competitors want to be at your gym mm -hmm. because those people have friends. Those people um, create credibility. And I know for the longest time there was a real popular 
gym franchise that really worked very hard, you know, with the whole lunk alarm thing and yep. all that stuff. And, yep. and it was great because the business is obviously doing very yeah. well. From a business right. standpoint. Yeah. So the model has worked mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. Um, but it was almost, it almost became trendy to insult the bodybuilder, yeah. to suggest that somebody who is making a loud noise while they're performing a rep is on some level mm -hmm. um, not um, welcome at their facility. Yeah. And Which is, by the way, the complete opposite of like being an inclusive, safe right. place. Exactly. It's literally the opposite. Exactly. I've always struggled with that idea mm -hmm. because to me, celebrate that dedication, celebrate yeah. that intensity, that passion, and get behind the guy who's in there and is trying to force out a final rep. And if he grunts or, you know, maybe drop some dumbbells on the ground, you know, a celebrate that, yeah. appreciate that, because yeah. that's, that's what it's all about. And sometimes that intensity is what other people need to see to up their game. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, unfortunately there are examples, just like there are in any industry of people who, you know, don't handle that responsibility the right way. Mm -hmm. And uh, those folks need to be shown the door. And I, I, I get that. But for the most part, um, I applaud every gym out there who provides a home and rolls out the red carpet for people who want to just go all in and train their butts off because that's what it's all about. So my suggestion to anybody who's got a, a health facility is stop viewing that world, that world of bodybuilding and elite fitness competitors, stop viewing that as some sort of a, of a black eye that you want to stay away from. Um, understand that those are the characteristics, that's the passion, that's the discipline, that's the do devotion, that's the level of suffering and sacrifice that all of your members should at least understand. Now you might not, I always say, you might not want to look like Mr. Olympia. Of course. That's fine. Not a lot of people do, but at least understand that the journey that he's had to go to get there and the things that he's had to learn, the knowledge that he has about his physiology and his anatomy and the human body and, and, and muscular response and the cause and effect of, mm -hmm. of, of nutrition and dieting, those are things that, that's what draws the crowd. And it's funny because a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to go to the Mr. Olympia because I don't want to look like that. Or, oh, that's gross. You hear people all, say all things like all that, right? And I always get a hit of that. I'm like, you know what? That's okay. You don't have to want to look like that. The good news is you're not going to look like exactly. that. No matter how much I don't you know, understand yeah. that. But enjoy what you can learn mm -hmm. from the people who've had the courage to go for it mm -hmm. and to go all in and to take their physique into their body to that place because there's so much, if you allow yourself, and, but it, doesn't that apply to just about anything? Everything. It's like it's like the asshole that you pass on the street. Mm -hmm. If you actually stopped and had a conversation with that asshole, you might learn that he's had a journey of, of his own. Yep. He's been through some things. He's probably has had some failures, maybe some successes, personal, professional. And so I'm a believer that you stop and you just take a look at what's there because you might not be seen it the right way. It's the same thing on the business side, right? People look at the billionaires and right. the super successful people and they're like, I don't want to be like that. I couldn't imagine working 20 hours a day or just right. being that and telling my family not spending as much time with my family or building something like this and they're hated on for all the wealth that they have. Yeah. It's the same thing, right? The level of dedication is unreasonable for the average person to even comprehend. And that level is what it takes to be successful at anything. Yeah. And it's just fascinating. I have a question for you mm -hmm. and I want to be careful of your time. So we're sure. going to wrap this up real quick. But if I'm sitting in your seat and I'm Dan Solomon mm -hmm. and I'm thinking about connecting that bridge and really getting out there and, and making sure that both sides are seeing it um, the way that it should be, tactically speaking, how do you see that happening? Like what is your goal with gym owners and connecting and, and creating a much more of a connection between Mr. Olympia, the brand, 
IFBB, NPC, and just gym owners around the world? Yeah, it all starts with communication. Mm -hmm. and, and I think as we start to communicate with each other, as you and I have, and hopefully that sets a tone for more communication um, at the corporate level, at the local level, um, I think communication will bear tremendous fruit. Mm -hmm. I really do. Because it seems like whenever I'm out and about and I travel the country and I stop in different gyms, um, that communication leads to so much. Mm -hmm. and, um, and sometimes it's in ways that are hard to quantify it right away. But I know that everything has started with good communication. And up until recently, there hasn't been almost any communication between the side of the world that I occupy mm -hmm. and in, in, the gym, in the gym space. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that communication will take us down a road where gym owners will start to see the influence and the access and the opportunity to create a more um, credible, uh, credible um, opportunity-rich environment for their members. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a tremendous thing. Look, everybody wants to, everybody wants to eat at restaurants that are attended by people who, you know, who, who, who make an impact, yeah, right? Absolutely. And everybody wants to be in business with people who make an impact. Yep. Um, so I think the gym owners, I would just say, embrace the people who are making an impact. And the people who are making an impact are the ones who are out there championing fitness and nutrition and that lifestyle. Yep. And I think the closer you get to that world, the, real, the more you'll look back and you'll say, God, what took us so long to understand mm -hmm. what was right here in our backyards? Because every community is occupied by people who live this lifestyle and care deeply about it and don't feel like um, they often have a place to spread those messages and maybe start to convince those people who are bodybuilders to come and spread their message to your members instead of on Instagram all the time. Yeah. And you might find that the messages that they're spreading on Instagram, if they reel it in and they hone that message and you provide an opportunity for them, maybe you provide a weekly meet and greet, a weekly networking opportunity so your members can come and just make small talk about mm -hmm. nutrition. Because I can tell you that I'm involved with a series of seminars mm -hmm. that we put on through you know, the NPC and the Olympia. And I can tell you that once we get talking, it's amazing seeing those eyes light up and just seeing the way that, you know, fitness enthusiasts start to respond to it. Because once you discover that there's somebody out there as crazy as you are, all of a sudden the whole world opens up. I'm not alone. That's right. I'm not alone. I lied. I have one more question because it's brought it up. This is regardless of, of what you're in great shape. You love working out. You've been working out for a long time. You go to a gym. This is much more on just the gym aspect. So I want your personal take on yeah. this. You go to a lot of gyms. You step foot, you travel, you're dropping in on different gyms, you got seminars, all this stuff. What is the number one mistake that you see gym owners making in the gyms that you visit? Yeah, so... Um, Regardless of this, right? We're not talking about this yeah. or bodybuilding or anything. Just from a business standpoint, what's the number one mistake that you I think it's high. I think um, equipment maintenance is highly underrated. I really do. Yep. I think the caliber of your equipment and the way you maintain them... Mm -hmm. um, sends a powerful message to people um, in terms of creating loyalty. Because you, as a gym owner, are in a word of mouth business. Mm -hmm. People come and join your gym because their friends tell them to. Mm -hmm. And the best way for you to connect, you know, rep by rep, set by set, workout by workout, is to send a message that you care about the equipment that, that you are having them use. And I would say just 
at first glance, when you ask that question, yeah. that's what comes to mind. I that's think I, I don't think it's insignificant at all yeah. to manage your equipment, have smart people making choices about equipment location, equipment selection, and equipment maintenance. I think it's a critical piece of the relationship that you form with your member. I love it. I cannot wait. Dan, thank you for your time today. Sure. I can't wait to have you speak at GymCon. Looking uh, forward to it. May 4th through the 6th. You're going to be speaking on May 5th, which is actually my wedding anniversary. Nice. May 5th, 10 years. So I'm super excited. We're going to sit down. We're going to chat. We're going to share this story, dive a little bit more into a lot of other really cool things. So um, for those of you that are listening to this, you're interested, you can go to gymcon.com to grab your tickets and come see you speaking live and sharing more of your story. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for coming. And, you know, it's. Um, I think this is just the start of everything that we've talked about. Yeah. You know, it's just the start of being able to bring so many things together. Mm -hmm. Look, we all share the same passion. We just are a part of it in different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think um, we can really fast track a lot of success um, if we continue to um, communicate. And and I think conversations like this um, really um, have a, a significant impact in our ability to um, consolidate our ideas mm -hmm. and uh, and just sort of um, just just bring a, a powerful a powerful um, injection of, of force to all the things that we love. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, very excited for it, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. And just us being able to connect has been incredible. Thanks. Awesome man. Yeah. Sweet.